Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Amanda Hayes is the president of AKH Financial Corporation, located at 1144A Pelican Pay Drive in Daytona Beach. Call 386-846-0658. Securities and investment services are offered through Sage Point Financial, a member FINRA SIPC. AKH Financial and Sage Point are independently operated. She's here with uh, All in Black today, your tribute to Johnny Cash from the female side, <laughs> joining us live today on WNDB. It's good to see you. Amanda, how are you? It's nice to be seen. Hi, how are yeah, you doing? I thought I, we were going to have technical difficulties there for a second. Yeah, until well, <laughs> we turned the knob. Right. <clears throat> You'll be doing this, and you'll be teaching me how to do it in another few months. So Hopefully yeah. not. <laughs> <laughs> but there's lots of jobs out there, though, too. Yeah. You know, I, sent, I sent you the job. She sent me a job thing last night. I'm like, what is this, taco? Listen, uh, McCormick is hiring a director of taco relations. It's a real job. I, I was, It was a dream job. <laughs> I, have, I have a bad rep when imagine, it comes to tacos. Imagine traveling around the world assessing tacos. I mean, that's a lot of dream jobs for some people. McCormick has it. You can go on their website and maybe you can check that's, it out. Isn't it like 25K or something like that? It was extravagant. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. Uh, so what's been going on in the money world this week? How do we close? Uh, you know, we eked out a little bit of green on the Dow, but red on uh, S&P and the NASDAQ, but pretty flat. Um, you know, at, at this point, you've likely heard that Richard Branson, he completed his journey yeah. and he went to space this weekend. He came back. Unfortunately, his stock appeared to go the other way. It plummeted over 30% this week because, uh, shocker, it takes a lot of money to get to space. Oh, no kidding. Would you believe that? So this week, his company announced that it was raising another $500 million in new equity. But if you look into some of his um, findings and research, only about 600 people have put down the $130,000 for tickets on this spacecraft. And about 1,000 people have put down $1,000 deposits. So with the company burning through cash, um, I don't think that adds up to $500 million. So the stock... It had a bit of a you know a negative response to that. Did he just think everybody was going to open their wallets because he did it? Who knows what any one of, of them is thinking? Um, you know they are visionaries, and usually there's visionaries, and then there's the other uh, people that work on their staff that try to make the numbers work. Uh, you know the bigger alarming thing is you know when companies try to raise money or they're going to issue out more shares of stock similar to what AMC had done when we talked about it a few weeks ago that they issued out more shares of stock that's kind of the equivalent of what the government is doing when they're printing all this money and they're trying to kind of finance that debt out and their expansions and right now they're they've been able to do that because there's so much money out there uh, with this, with the stock market, like I said, we were flat today. We kicked off earnings season this week, and second quarter announcements are starting. So the financials reported first off this week, and 
they just had a stress test just a few weeks ago. So the banks are very strong. They are showing strong profits, anywhere from 4 to 10% increases from the previous quarter. And that's mainly from them boosting their fees and all the deal making, the IPOs, the trading. So the big focus is going to be if they can have any consistency moving forward. We already saw last week that some of the banks cut their personal credit lines and I think you could see more of that with banks, especially as the 10-year drops. Their ability to have any any margin or any profit from lending is going to get a lot tighter. So their underwriting restrictions, they could loosen in order to get more loans out there, or they might just leave it on a pause in general. And that would be a problem if you get a, a tightening of lending because you have a lot of companies that need to start showing real profits. And a lot of them have been borrowing money in an effort to do that. And so now they got to pay for it. You know, companies aren't the government who can just print endlessly. Corporations have to pay for that debt and they have to be able to control it, which is which is really ironic because banks are following the very discipline that the government forced upon them in 2008. So now it appears to be do as I say, not as I do. I guess for the government. I think I know the answer to this next question. Americans are spending again. How are consumer credit and debt levels looking? Yeah, we definitely know that Americans are spending again. Um, They're spending um, even more than pre-pandemic. They're out there booking trips and restaurants and meals, and they're using their credit cards. So J.P. Morgan, they just recently reported And uh, they said that they have seen a 17% increase from the same month previous in 2019, which Mm. is important because it's hard to use the 2020 numbers because that's such a skewed result right now. And nobody was spending in 2020 in a similar fashion from the previous years. So this is like pent up? Oh, sure. You're definitely going to have pent up demand from people wanting to buy things. And a lot of those big ticket items have been put on hold especially in the past month or so, like your refrigerators or appliances, furniture. And so maybe there's a, a bit more of pent up that could come out. But the, the interesting thing is the amount of debt that they hold on credit cards is down from pre-pandemic levels. So consumers have cash right now, right now at least. Well, the government's giving it to them. Well, <laughs> you know, most banks are expecting the next 12 to 24 months that people are going to be utilizing their credit cards. But of course, inflation is here. It is the big news. CPI and PPI came out this week. Both are high. They are running at the fastest paces in decades. And you can argue that it's mostly from the certain sectors that were affected by the pandemic that's skewing it. But even though we had a little bit of a back off on commodities from China releasing a lot of commodities over the last month, you just wouldn't be able to tell because energy and food prices are still so high. And when it comes to PPI, 60% of that increase was definitely due to services. And that's a really hard thing to reduce prices once they go up. So this is a very big issue. The dollar's getting weaker, and all of these distortions in society and in the economy are becoming even larger. And it's the Fed who keeps driving most of it. And then it's even more frustrating when you got Jerome Powell. He was out there even today uh, with his testimony. And... I mean, his his impotence to justify his reasonings was so clearly on display yesterday. He just can't explain why they're purchasing 
120 billion a month of assets. And in reality, he's just doing it to keep markets propped up for fear of like a total meltdown. So he reiterated that the Fed's still nowhere near tapering and they are sticking to this transitory story. So I think at this point, we are just going to need a new definition in the Webster's Dictionary for transitory. Wow. Some uh, <laughs> economic economists uh, who watch retail are saying that prices could ease in some areas later. Car prices, new car prices up 5.7%. And we're hearing, though, that back-to-school clothing prices are going to be lower. So I'm trying to figure out why things are the way they are. But I was kind of surprised when you said that you know people are are buying and buying and buying because I heard that some people, because of the cost of food going up, are holding off on some major purchases because they're worried about what's going to happen later in the year. Is that just maybe one or two opinions, or are you hearing that in the community, the economic community, that some people are worried about what happens at the end of the year? Well, I think everyone has that general fear right now, is that what does this look like in another quarter or two? I mean, that's definitely going to be a fear right now. And everyone chooses to budget or to allocate their funds in different ways. And the bigger fear is, is this similar to, you know, 05 and 06, like the real estate market where they just didn't think it was ever going to end. And then you had so many people unemployed and foreclosures and losing jobs. And so uh, that didn't happen too long ago. So I think it's still a huge fear in a lot of investors and consumers' minds. We still don't know what's going to happen with all of the people who are affected by who own property that didn't get any rent for months and months and months or people who are behind in their mortgage payments. That hasn't played out yet, right? No, I mean, it's the there's been a lot of help when it comes to uh, mortgages and being able to defer them or have them on forbearance. Uh, There's a lot of things that banks can do. And right now, it's not posing as large of a problem as what I think people are assuming because of that recency bias of how 2008 affected it. Okay. How long have they been doing this quantitative easing now? Well, the steroidal fashion has been about, you know, 2008, but this has been going on since the 80s. And as each Fed chair evolves, um, probably starting with Alan Greenspan, he definitely kickstarted the steroidal inflation and then into Bernanke and then Yellen. And now we're with Powell. And it's very interesting because America has this um, exorbitant privilege and strength and we're synonymous with growth and independence you know, so far. And I I like the quote that haters are just confused fans. But in this situation, this it enables us to keep doing this because our liabilities are the rest of the world's assets. And it's always been like that. You know, our debt still looks very attractive compared to other countries, plus our ability to pay it. We have a very internal transfer system of payments. And now our consumer is back out there. So America accounts for a quarter of spending. China's about half of that. And our GDP kind of lifts the Eurozone and lifts emerging markets to an extent. So you just talked about retail sales. They're up 20% from 2019. You've got global commercial flights are back to 90,000 flights a week, which is still prior to the the pre-pandemic levels. But I think as the U.S. consumer goes, so will the U.S. economy. And so the question that you were kind of asking before is what happens when the money runs out? 
Yeah. Because you don't want the scenario that we have higher prices, but not money available in consumers' pockets. And so I think you start to see and hear this come end of third quarter, fourth quarter. I haven't asked you this in a long time. What's the trade balance like? Are we way out of whack or are we close to where we were in the previous administration? Oh, I mean, we're we're much bigger. <laughs> Everything okay. is much larger. We're almost approaching a $30 trillion you know, um, on our balance sheet for debt. And so it's everything is much larger at this point, especially if you look back from 2008 to what our balance sheet looks like today. And we didn't print all this money in 2008. We let people feel the pain. And so imagine what that kind of pain would feel like if they if they let it happen again. And so the question is, when are they going to let it happen? I'm almost kind of surprised that they didn't do what they're doing now with the printing of money and giving money to people during that really tough time in 07 or 08. Were they just too afraid or was it they didn't have the wherewithal to do it? Why didn't they do it then? I mean, I guess that's a question for for the ages. Uh, Mr. Bernanke, right? Yeah, okay. So <laughs> when do they stop printing and quantitative easing? I mean, yeah, that's a great question. I, you know, you saw what happened in December of 2018, the, the temper tantrum. The markets fell over 20% when they announced that they were going to start to taper. So imagine what that looks like if and when they do it now. I mean, it could, who knows when they're going to do it. I have a feeling that they will be taking it, you know, through into 2022 because you've got midterm elections coming up. So doing anything now would would really harm the current party. And even if they wanted to at this point, they can't. So fortunately for investors, this is very bullish for stocks until it isn't. And hyper growth tech stocks is what works best in inflationary times because that's minimal raw cost and it's huge profit margins because tech companies are heavy in brain power to function, not so much oil or trucks or raw materials. And um, there's so many different companies out there now. So what's happening is you're seeing a lot of companies slightly increasing their prices and passing them on to the consumer. And that only goes so far until people get priced out of markets or you have individuals that go bankrupt or sectors or companies that go bankrupt because we cannot eternally borrow as corporations or individuals. I want to sneak this question in. Even though the in. government can. Okay. Medical <laughs> costs are astronomical. Are they going to factor into this? Do you see a growing number of medical-related stocks coming into the universe simply because of need? Well, I mean, biotech um, did extremely well during the pandemic. It's certainly come back down a bit, and certain companies are coming back up. So you're always going to have different pharmaceutical companies, drug companies, medical companies, biotechs that have an enormous tailwind behind them based on you know what's new and what's coming to the market. They always say that the market is forward-looking. So you have to make sure you're getting into those sectors for where money is flowing to. And and right now, biotechs are not, uh, they've pulled back a bit in the past uh, couple quarters. Okay, this question is out there, but I gotta ask it. Do you ever get in arguments with your clients about all this? Or, or you know, they say, well, what are you doing with my money? You know, or do they do they challenge you to a point? I mean, I'm, I'm trying to be respectful about this, but how do you handle someone who's really a nervous Nelly about this? What happens? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, maybe there's an occasional misinterpretation of, you know, what you're trying to say to somebody or, or a tone. But no, I, I don't 
traditionally get into arguments with clients to any degree. My gosh, if you're getting in an argument with your financial planner, please call our office. 386-846-0658. I never forget rule number one, and this is not my money. Therefore, my job is to guide and offer advice, but not to judge or scold anyone for what they ultimately want to do or decide for their own comfort or their peace of mind. So Sometimes I might say things that people don't agree with, and sometimes I say things that people don't want to hear, and maybe that triggers them. Maybe it makes them upset and, and they feel a certain type of way, but that's okay. I'm willing to be unliked up front in order to help somebody in the long run, and it's the people that don't that know what they don't know and are open-minded to hear another person's opinion that really end up getting the help and having the growth to move forward to different levels in their life. And quite often people forget that financial advice is purely based on a foundation of math equations. So it's really their emotions that they put on top of everything that make the decisions that much more difficult for them to make because you know, how easy is it to bake a cake when you can see all your ingredients, but it would be a lot more difficult to do that if you had a blindfold on you. Gotcha. Well, with your vast education and degrees, did and in your training, did you take study of human behavior and psychology as part of this? Yes. Did you have to handle you did. I did that in addition. So behavioral finance is very important because um, emotions are powerful and they can skew anyone's opinion to which way or the other. Good so for you. So you have to lead with empathy, you have to lead with gratitude when you're speaking to anyone and, and have that self awareness of what are they going through and how can I add value. Amanda Hayes with AKH Financial, where she is the president of that organization on Pelican Pay Drive in Daytona Beach. Unless I get the taco director job. Or, or you could just do this in your spare time, which <laughs> <Right>. is non-existent. <laughs> 386, I don't know how she keeps it all together. 386-846-0658 for Amanda Hayes. Amanda, thank you so much. Good to see you. We'll see you next week, Mark. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.